Gospels to Psalm 42. Psalms 42, the 42nd Psalm. There are 11 verses in this Psalm that we're going to share this morning. If you'd like a title for the message, it's How to Turn Your Frown Upside Down. And I know that sounds a little lighthearted in the phrasing of that title. However, it's a very serious subject that we're going to talk about this morning. Something I've never preached on before. It's going to be the subject of depression. Now, we're not going to share the subject of depression this morning because I believe that that many people are suffering depression concerning what we're going through. Um, what we're going through is very difficult, and maybe maybe some are depressed over it, but that's not the reason for the message. We're all going through and experiencing a little something different right now, so we really don't know how everyone feels, but more so than, than what's going on right now being the reason for the subject would be something to do with myself personally. And this issue of depression, I'm not saying I am depressed, I'm not saying I have it, but my attitude about it has somewhat changed. This has been on my heart since I preached a message a few weeks ago on a Sunday night from 2 Corinthians chapter 1 where Paul speaks of the affliction and the trouble that he went through in Asia, and and he says during that time that we despaired even of life. That one part of the message really did something to me and left me going home thinking. Because you understand, I've had I've been this Christian with the attitude before about someone being depressed, as in. Why in the world would you, a Christian, be depressed? You ought to be the most joyful person in the world because you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior and you have a relationship with Him. And there are, there's a lot of truth in that thought, but the attitude is wrong because depression follows after and is seeking to overcome every single one of us. You know, Paul said that we despaired even of life. You might think about Moses asking God to kill him. You might consider Jonah who said, just take my life away. You might consider John the Baptist, who was in a dungeon of depression, if you will. This is something very real. And someone, maybe many, are experiencing it right now. I don't know. Everyone probably has experienced it. It's going to come creeping up on someone in the future if you're not experiencing it right now. There are people who know they are depressed and they don't know why. There are people who are depressed and they do know why. There are people who are depressed and they do not know that they are depressed. And of course, they don't know why they are depressed. So this is what we're going to share and talk about this morning. We're going to read through these entire 11 verses as we get started. So if you will follow with me in your Bibles in Psalm 42, it says, As the heart panteth after the water brooks, so panteth my soul after thee, 
O God, my soul thirsteth for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? My tears have been my meat day and night, while they continually say unto me, Where is thy God? When I remember these things, I pour out my soul in me. For I had gone with the multitude, I had went with them to the house of God, with the voice of joy and praise with a multitude that kept holy day. Why art thou cast down, O my soul? And why art thou disquieted in me? Hope thou in God, for I shall yet praise him for the help of his countenance. O my God, my soul is cast down within me. Therefore will I remember thee from the land of Jordan and of the Hermonites and from the hill Mizar. Deep calleth unto deep at the noise of thy waterspouts. All thy waves and thy billows are gone over me. Yet the Lord will command his loving kindness in the daytime and in the night his song shall be with me and my prayer unto the God of my life. I will say unto God, my rock, why hast thou forgotten me? Why go I mourning because of the oppression of the enemy? As with a sword in my bones, mine enemies reproach me while they say daily unto me, where is thy God? Why art thou cast down, O my soul, and why art thou disquieted in me? Hope thou in God, for I shall yet praise him, who is the health of my countenance and my God. People deal with depression in different ways. The lonely, depressed woman was looking for a remedy, looking for a help in her issue that she was having so she went down to the bird shop and she got a parakeet and the store attendant told her this parakeet will talk to you this is just the ticket this is exactly what you need y'all will have just friendly conversation throughout the day this is your help so she bought the parakeet and she took it home and all week long she talked to that parakeet but that parakeet didn't talk to her So she goes back down to the store and says, "Um, look, this parakeet isn't talking. I guess I need to give you the bird and get my money back. And he said, well, did you buy the bird a mirror? And she said, well, no, I didn't. He said, oh, you buy the bird a mirror. He loves to look at himself. That'll, That'll get him perked up and he'll start talking to you in no time. She goes home with the parakeet and the parakeet looks in the mirror but does not speak to her all week. She goes back again. And he says, well, did you get a swing? Because he loves to swing and look at himself in the mirror. And he'll start talking to you. Go ahead and take that swing home and see what happens. So she buys the swing and takes it home all week long. That parakeet doesn't talk to her. She goes back and says, look, this parakeet isn't talking to me. This isn't going to work out. He said, did you buy a ladder? And she said, well, no, I didn't buy a ladder. She said, you, he said, you buy this long ladder and you set it up and he'll just walk right up that ladder and be eye level with you and he will talk to you. That's going to be the deal. And she goes home and the parakeet does walk up the ladder, but it doesn't talk to her. And so it's been about four weeks now and the parakeet hasn't spoken to her. And all of a sudden the parakeet died. I mean, her situation is worse now. She goes in with all the little toys and the parakeet and says, hey, 
this parakeet not only wouldn't talk to me, but it died on me. I'm worse than I was before. And he says, well, did you feed it? She didn't feed that parakeet for four weeks. She was going around doing all of these things, trying, getting all of this stuff, trying to help with her depression. And it was all the wrong things. It was all the wrong stuff. She had the wrong aim to deal with the situation. And it is very much the same with many people today. There are many people who are suffering and dealing with this and they're doing all the wrong things to be helped in their situation. As you look at depression, we could describe it in many ways. Just for a few words to describe this situation, it can be identified by an irritability in our life, um, being unenthusiastic, being passive, being listless, hopeless, a loss of initiative, crying spells could be a sign of this, no sleep, a constant heavy feeling, continual worry, and it will even affect our physical life. This is such serious business when we get down to talking about this. Millions of Americans are trying to get treatment for depression All the time. They're trying to get rid of this mysterious fog that is blocking the sunshine from coming into their lives. And you might think, as as I once had a little bit of a wrong attitude about how in the world can a Christian, someone who should be the most joyful person in the world, be depressed? Well, look. It happens. It happens and it can happen to you. It can happen to me. It can happen to all of us. It's trying to creep up on every one of us. There's a preacher that many Christians agree in his in his nickname, which is the Prince of Preachers, Charles Spurgeon, and he struggled with depression. Winston Churchill, who who saw England through the Second World War, described depression as a black dog that was always chasing him. And then there's David's life. Can we stop and consider David's life for just a minute? How his own son Absalom was had a murderous spirit toward him and had turned against his own dad. And then Absalom died. David had another child die. David had a daughter that was raped. David was kingship over a nation that was in constant turmoil throughout his tenure Over that, he lost his wealth, he lost his power, he lost his financial support, he lost his home, he lost his testimony. I mean, things couldn't get worse, or they couldn't look worse anyway in the moment from David's viewpoint. I correct myself there because... You and I have both all probably corrected ourselves before in saying that things just couldn't get worse. Because what have we found out sometimes? After we said that, things didn't get worse. Granddaddy was 
was just kind of negative and he would get discouraged and depression would kind of overcome him. But he knew better than to say things couldn't get worse. What he said was, I guess things could be worse, but I just don't see how. And I don't know that that's the right attitude. I don't know if he got away with anything by wording that in a different way. But as we look in dealing with this, let's look in the first three verses here, first of all, at how David looked around. Because what we can gather from these verses is that David looks around and he sees the deer. And the deer is typically being chased down by a pack of wild dogs. And, and so it would be common to see the deer coming up to the brook and just panting very hard while it's on the run and it needs a drink of water. It is thirsting and, and it stops to get water, but not freely and not carefree with anxiety about the enemy that is, that is following along behind the deer. And so as David looks around, he can relate to that very much. He can relate to that in the way that the enemies of God and his enemies were constantly on him and constantly trying to chase him down and he had no rest. But there's something else in that picture of that deer that could be speaking to David's heart and that is his thirst. As the deer was thirsty physically so it can continue on, David was thirsty spiritually for God. David needed a a drink of spiritual water. David was so dry spiritually and God seemed so far away from his life. It wasn't true that God was far away, but David felt like God was so far away. And and sometimes we can relate to that and though it's not true, that's the way people can feel sometimes. He felt that God had forgotten him. Down in verse 9, he says, "Why hast thou forgotten me?" And then back up in verse 3, he asks, "Where is God?" And going along with that and that state of mind and that attitude is just an uncontrollable weeping that was going on in his life. From many things, David could have shame from his sin, sorrow from defeat, slander from his enemies. He's scanning the memory, verse 4, of better days that he has had and just feeling like they will never come around again. It's just getting worse and worse and things are never going to get better. In verse 7, he says, Deep calleth unto deep. Deep calleth unto deep at the noise of thy water spouts. All thy waves and thy billows have gone over me. David feels washed away. Can you relate to David? Have you been there at some time in your life where you're weakened, you're wilting, and you just feel like everything is washing away? 
Many people feel like that. And unfortunately, many people do all the wrong things to try to deal with that situation. I mean, that is a deep cut that needs stitches. And many people try to put a band-aid on it. Many people try to put a band-aid on this dangerous subject of depression and experiencing in their life by therapy. Maybe it may be secular therapy. And just, to, you know what, it helps to talk to somebody, but that doesn't mean that that's going to get to the root of the problem. Others focus materially. Some say, I'll go out and get a new wardrobe, and that's what's going to help. Some might say, you know what, I'm going to go get a new car, and I believe that's going to be just what I need. But you know what, behind those car keys, and then also when you pop the tags off those clothes, you you can peel up that band-aid, and that darkness is still going to be there. Others might try to do it socially. I mean, some people think all, all we need is a new set of friends. And they cling to those friends just as close as they can. And don't get me wrong, a friend is a very special thing to have. But that is still missing the mark on dealing with this issue. That is still not getting to the root of this problem. Look, when we look around after all of these avenues, we'll find that the the root of our situation has not been touched and that depression is still lingering on. We must do as David did in these dark times. And the first thing I want us to see is that we must look within Look with me at verse 5 in the beginning of this verse. David says, Why art thou cast down, O my soul? And why art thou disquieted in me? You know, something interesting about this right here is that David is the one speaking and David is the one being spoken to. Yes, David is talking to himself. And this is not a bad example for us. This is something that every single one of us should follow. We need to have a talk with ourselves. David looked within. We must look within and we must have this kind of talk with ourselves because there is another talk that's taking place. It is constantly going on in our lives and that is the conversation that our flesh is trying to have with us. And there's no good in it. There's no encouragement. It's all gloom and doom. That old nature is constantly talking to us and it has nothing to say but discouraging things. It has nothing to say but things that will lead us to depression. It's all negative what that lingering flesh will say to you and I. And it never runs out of words and it's constantly talking. We're constantly being confronted by the flesh that we might be persuaded in a negative way, in the wrong way to miss the mark of having some success and healing and help 
for our lives. Because we are confronted by the flesh, we must confront ourselves. David is speaking to his soul and we must have a conversation with our soul. We can sum up verse 5 in David asking himself, why am I depressed? And we can understand that there are things in life that are always going to be trying to push us in that direction. To try to darken our day. To try to get us into a listless situation. Whether it be death, whether it be a broken heart, whether a spouse leaves, whether an engagement is broken off before the marriage, whether it be financial, whether if close loved ones turn their back on you, Maybe it's the haunting by the guilt of sin and many other things. There are so many things that are trying to chase us down and hinder us from our joy that we have in the Lord. And there are seasons that many great children of God go down in it. We're not meant to stay there. We're, we don't even have to go there. But nevertheless, it happens. It happens to the child of God. And we must look within first. We must look within and confront ourselves and analyze our heart to see what that downer is in our life. To see what that is taking us down. Because many people are depressed and they don't even know it. The success of this message is not to make everyone believe that they are depressed. I hope that no one is. But the reality is it's trying to set in on us. And we need to be able to deal with this in the proper way. Not just to put a band-aid on it, but to get to the situation where we need to be. And look, we need, we need to examine ourselves. We need to look within. And then we need to confess to ourselves that we are depressed. We, we need to be able to say that to ourselves. We, we may even be able to figure out why we're depressed. And that's a good thing to do. We must look within as David did. And we must confess it to ourselves. And and if you want, maybe you might confess it to a friend. A friend is a special person to have in a certain time of need. Maybe you will, maybe you won't. That's not a requirement. But what is a requirement is that we confess it to God. That we come straight and clear with Him. And that we tell Him what we realize is going on in our lives. But we have to look within to first see this situation. And when we do, and when we confess it to God, that will lead you and I to look up. To look up. Look at the end of verse 5 where it talks about the help of the Lord. David had a talk with himself and he looked within and then he was able to look up because of the help of the Lord in our lives. In verse 7, he said that he had felt washed away. In verse 8, he says, yet the Lord will command his loving kindness in the daytime and in the night his song shall be with me. Christian Look up whenever you come into a situation like this. Because God knows our heaviness. He knows it and He is our help. I don't have some some broken down, 
pattern of a weekend retreat for you to solve your situation with depression or to be ready to deal with it or realizing you need to deal with it in the past because it's lingering on. I don't have anything like that. I don't have seven profound points to say to you. But it's simple that we can always look up. We can look up to the Lord. And that is our help. There's not many things we want to do in a depressed state. But everyone can look up. And that is what we need to do. To look up to the Lord. We can't figure it all out. And we might not come to a solution. But we can look up to the one who is our help. Someone said, life is not a problem to be solved, but a mystery to be lived. Life is a mystery to us, but not to God. God has all of the solutions and God has all of the explanations. And though he has those, we're not to live Aiming for solution and explanation for these things. We are to live looking up to the promises of God that we have. We need to look up to Him and who He is and all He is to us. That's what we do. We look within, we confess to God, and we look up. Look, we have tests and we have trials in life. But that's not all that's in the test. I want you to think about what I'm about to say. We have tests and we have trials in life. But part of the test many times will be not understanding the test. We are going to be tested. We are going to be tried by the Lord for good. And and a big thing is we're not going to understand why we're going through what we're going through. Job had no idea why he was going through what he was going through. He didn't know his situation. But he said, I know my Redeemer liveth. And that's what you and I must know. That's what you and I must look up with at a focus to is knowing that God knows, knowing that part of our trial is not understanding our trial as we go through it, but rather trusting the Lord who understands it all. And he promises good Through the bad. He works all things out for good. To them who love God. To them who are the called according to his purpose. Look up for the lift from depression. Look up for the lift maybe in depression. It's a very hard thing that many people deal with. And everyone Or no one is above having to deal with this. It is chasing after every single one of us. And it's not something to be solved. It's something to look up to God for. So that we might be soothed. But not only are we to look within. And we're to look up. But child of God. We're to look ahead. At the very end of this psalm. In verse 11, it says, Hope thou in God, for I shall yet praise him, who is the health of my countenance and my God. 
Don't you know that this stuff even affects our health? But child of God, you can look ahead. You can always look ahead to the Lord. Our hope is not a vain wish. Our hope is not just one avenue of something to believe. I'll never forget my friend from my heathen lost days I used to run around with. And we lost touch. The Lord Jesus Christ saved me. Gave me a new life. Took me out of the bars that he and I used to go to. And put, he put me in Bible study. And I lost his number. And all I wanted to do was get a hold of my friend. And tell him what Jesus had done for me. And lo and behold, he gave me a call one day. I didn't have his number anymore. He changed it, but he had my number and he called me. And I was able to give him my testimony. I felt kind of like the Apostle Paul talking to King Agrippa. Not that I have Paul's testimony, but I have the same testimony in that Jesus Christ saved my soul. And by the time I got through talking and giving him my testimony, I was hoping he would be weeping on the other side of the phone line. But he said, well, it's good to have faith in something. It's important that everybody have faith in something. Whether it be the same thing or not, it, you, you need to believe in something. Look, we don't just believe in something. We don't have just a belief. It is the belief. Jesus Christ is the belief. We have heard for three weeks in sermons that Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no man cometh unto the Father but by me. I'm telling you, we have a hope that is assured. There, are, there is no religion in this world that will offer you assurance. And I can tell you the assurance of what's going to happen to them. But there is assurance in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. He is a hope that never fails. The Christian can always look ahead at the hope that they have to walk in. That is a healer. That is a help for our lives. That we do not just have to view the situation we're in. I'm I'm afraid that's what too many people are doing. They're viewing their situation. They're viewing a negative situation. And it just grows bigger and bigger. And it becomes more powerful and powerful in their mind. And it becomes this monster. When there are messianic promises of hope for you and I. The Christian can always look ahead. Until the Christian can no longer look ahead. Until there is no hope, there is hope. And what do I mean by no hope? There are two places where there is no hope. There's no hope in heaven because hope has been fulfilled completely in heaven. Our hope, we are going to be with our hope and we're going to be experiencing the blessings of the hope that we had here, but hope will be over because it will be fulfilled. But there's another place where there's no hope and that is in hell. There is no opportunity for hope after this life. That's why Solomon said that a living dog is better than a dead lion. You know the lion was exalted. The name of our Lord is the lion of the tribe of Judah. You know uh, but the dog 
the dog is spoken negatively of all throughout the Bible. It's not that little precious pampered pet that's a member of the family now and and has its own mall for supplies. You can go basically buy at for the for your dog, your little precious pet. It wasn't that day. It's all negative sense in which the dog is being spoken of. But there's something positive about the dog here with Solomon. The dog is alive. And the lion is dead. In other words, while there is life, there is the opportunity for hope. And there is hope for everyone. Everyone can come to Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior of their life. While there is life, there is no forgiveness from God and trusting in Jesus. Once faith is sight and you believe in Jesus, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess one day that Jesus Christ is Lord. But it's going to be too late. There's no hope after this life. But there is an opportunity while there is life. And for the Christian, as long as we're here, before our hope is fulfilled, may you and I be filled with hope. Let not Satan help you to turn your gaze away from the Lord. And all that we go through, the rivers and the the valleys and the mountains, look, there is hope for you and I. Stay focused on the Lord. Keep your eyes fixed on Him. Don't let Satan take your stare away. There is always hope for you. No matter how desperate And trying your trials become. Look to Jesus. Consider him. The Bible says. Consider how Calvary. Came before Easter. And consider in our lives. How tears. Are going to come before joy. But let me tell you what. Joy cometh. In the morning. So look within. And not only look within. But look up. And always look ahead, child of God. Always look ahead to the precious promises of God, which have never been broken. And that is going to be our help for this devastating darkness that is always trying to overcome our life. It's always there for the Christian. But if you're listening this morning, and the weight of all of your sin is really still upon you, that you are guilt-ridden from your past, that when you hear that we have faith, that we have peace with God when we're justified by faith, and that we have the peace of God that we can walk in in our lives, and, and that's just not your experience. You, you've, you've really white-knuckled it, and you've come to church, and you've tried to be positive and believe that you're okay, but, but worry dominates you. And depression is able to continually dominate you. And you have no peace, really, over what Jesus has done for you. I hope you will personally trust in the Lord Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior today. I pray that you would look up in a different way. That you would look up that you might be saved. As Moses, he held that serpent up 
whenever Israel was snake bit by sin, all Israel had to do was look up to sin being judged, look up to that cross where your sin was judged in the person of Jesus Christ, the precious Lord and Savior for this world who suffered and died for you. Would you look up and would you trust Him personally as your Lord and Savior by faith? Because... If you have not done so, you you cannot look ahead to anything that will help. There is nothing ahead for you that you can claim that will help your situation. The atheist has absolutely nothing to look forward to. They think that they don't have judgment to look forward to, and that's their passion for their belief. They have nothing good to help them to look forward to. Neither does any religion. They, they have no assurance. But in Jesus Christ, the way, the truth, and the life, If you will look to Him, He died for your sins. You can trust Jesus Christ and He can become your Lord and Savior today and the guilt of all your sin is washed away. You know that you have come into a relationship with the One who gives you a home in heaven. He comes to live within and He changes your life and He gives you peace. Would you look up to Him today? And then, after having your sins forgiven by His death, burial, and resurrection, the good news of the gospel, when you're saved by obeying the gospel, which means rendering submissive acceptance to Jesus Christ and what He did for you on the cross at Calvary, then you can look ahead and you have promises to give you peace, your burdens well, can no longer weigh you down to a point where they handicap you, God will take you through everything you're going through. And Christian, we know that this morning. For the children of God, we know that. Yet we know the danger of what is highly in pursuit and nipping at our heels all the time. So let us make sure we're looking within. And let us make sure during this time and always that we look up And look ahead, child of God, your future is so bright and so blessed in Jesus Christ. We might not be gathering right now, but there's going to be absolutely nothing trying to stop us one day in heaven when we are gathered together for eternity. God bless you and the hope that you are filled with as children of God, knowing Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior. I'm going to bow to the Lord in a word of prayer as we can all pray together. And then I have one thing to say after we pray. So let us go to the Lord. Father in heaven, we do come before you this morning. And and Lord, there's so many ways that we can relate to David. And Lord, I thank you for a pattern that you have shown us here. Lord, that the final chapter has not been written, Lord. And we go through many trials in life. Oh, that we might look at the big picture. Oh, that we might look at how big you are, our God. And the hope that you have given us. Dear God, I pray for every one of our church family and everyone that is listening right now. That they might look to Jesus. That that their answer would come in Jesus Christ. He is the only answer. 
And we thank you this morning for your eternal salvation. We thank you for the one or the many who might be helped from the discouragement that's trying to overtake their lives. Thank you that we can always look ahead to you. We love you this morning. Thank you for loving us. We pray for our pastor in a special way as we close, Lord, that you would help him, that you would heal him from this illness that has come through and touched him. Lord, we pray for Beverly, that you would give her strength, dear God, and for all of our church and the many needs that we have. They're never too many for you. We can trust you. You are a great physician and you are a very present help in time of trouble. We ask all of these things this morning, dear God, in the only way we can come to you, in the only way that you will hear our prayer. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. And so now I want to ask you to turn in your Bibles to Psalms again, chapter 63. And Lord willing, that's where we will be when we meet again at 6 p.m. tonight. God bless.